Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Ice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it leads to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to talk about the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and talk to the people who create these games. Now, if you've been following Cast Dice for a while, uh, you would know that Black Sight uh, Studios in Texas have been putting out some fantastic games in addition to the wonderful MDF and STL modeling slash terrain building that they've been doing for a while. I've been talking to different people about Lunar, of course, Don't Look Back, and Violent Dark, all games that I've played and enjoyed the hell out of. And most of those games were written by one man. And that man is joining me today, one of my favorite indie game developers and the man behind Black Sight's newest game, Breacher. Matt Burns, welcome back to Cast Ice. How you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Another beautiful day in Melbourne, although it is a little hot and a little sweaty. I understand that uh, where you are, it might be a little bit colder. Yeah, we just did a lot of shoveling today. In fact, we've got, we got a lot of snow today. As someone who grew up in Boston, I do not miss that experience. But you are, of course, the author of Violent Dark and Don't Look Back. Both games have sort of progressed with additional expansions and support over the years. Since we've talked last, how have Don't Look Back and Violent Dark uh, grown for those who have not been paying attention? Yeah, so um, I guess first, the big one, Don't Look Back, we just recently put out like a revised edition, a second edition, I guess you could call it, mm -hmm. where we collected all of the various expansions that existed. Um, I was able to go back with these, these years of... Um, just player interactions and ideas um, and to be able to kind of tweak and tackle some of the rules that I really wanted to see kind of grow from the mm -hmm. initial version um, to this kind of massive hardback book where I was able to expand on the world itself. Um, Northwood, where we have our own band of heroes and adventurers going out and exploring the horror world. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's been, been amazing. We actually just fulfilled that. Um, backroom event through black site uh finished up uh at the beginning of december that is a hardback so turnaround on that might be a little bit longer um, but any idea when that will be hitting store shelves so it's uh it's a you can now it's a, it's oh, available perfect. so you can go through their the trade site black site studios now has its own trade site so stores mm -hmm. can kind of get in contact with them directly um, and they offer some pretty sweet deals and things through that I saw that Black Sight's funding page was doing that. I did not know that it was actually out. So while I'm ordering Breacher, I know what I'm ordering because uh, <laughs> it has been a long time since I've played Don't Look Back, and I definitely need to uh, try out the new rules. Yeah, I think you'll, you'll find a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool additions in their companions, optional vehicle rules. There's a lot of, a lot of really neat things. Generate uh, Randomly generated plots exist now, too. So you will roll 
um, roll up the different aspects of a plot. So you can randomly generate like how long the plot will be, uh, the main objective of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, you can roll on a table and get some different combinations of what your your heroes will need to try to achieve. Uh, there's like some really fun theme tables you can roll on to just kind of add some extra elements um, where the where the the player characters will deploy is can be randomly generated. Um, nice. even down to where and how the killer will show up initially. Um, and just like everything in Don't Look Back, you know, there's a lot of, one of the neat things we did in this edition is we added a lot of um, like designer's notes uh, and examples of play. And the designer's notes offer a lot of uh, suggestions and for people who are really into like the black and white of rules, uh, like permissions on kind of how to do things more narratively. So there's lots of suggestions on how you can also utilize the tables and the things in the random generator to kind of get what you want out of them now for those who don't know don't look back of course is the game that allows you to recreate all of your favorite horror movies from the 70s 80s and beyond where you usually have a group of plucky normal people who are trying to survive <laughs> as some horrific monster slash psycho killer slash whatever and there are lots of different options uh, as far as the killers and the scenarios go and you're just trying to uh, usually survive Uh, the last time i played well the last two times i played i was playing a group of teenagers uh with the with a supporting teacher who came along to help out later (laughs) um as one of the teenagers had you know stumbled off into the dark um feeling sad and forlorn about some heartbreak and there was the revving of a chainsaw in the background and uh Somehow we had to go find him and get back. And uh, that one, I barely succeeded. But then in the second game, there was a summoning circle in the woods. And there were um, monsters that you, you know, basically like the ring that you couldn't look too closely at. And it was uh, a close run affair that uh, I did not survive. But it was nail biting. And one of the things I've really noticed about Don't Look Back and Violent Dark, having played them both, is just the narrative. The story of the games are just wonderful. Both are great games to sit down and spend a couple of hours, either in an afternoon or an evening after dinner, just playing out. And my wife is notorious for hating tabletop games uh, if they don't have an app attached. But even she said, these games look great because they are so narrative driven. Now, Breacher is a different animal. Now, Breacher is a modern military uh, infiltration game based in the near future. But unlike Violent Dark and Don't Look Back, you are not playing a group of plucky friends trying to survive some horrific creature coming after you. You are playing the infiltrator who's infiltrating a base filled with goons, uh, for a lack of better word, of various experience types and trying to accomplish missions, rescue hostages, get information off laptops, et cetera, et cetera. This feels like you've turned the tables completely from your previous game design. Um, What was it like to make a game like this after the focus of your last two big successes? So it was um, definitely uh, like a rethink of how I approached like kind of designing units and abilities within 
Violent Dark and Don't Look Back, um, because it's much more of a narrative focus, I didn't have to, I don't want to say I didn't have to pay attention to balance, but but creating abilities that did something thematic was more important than, you know, the the mathematical numbers kind of behind them in some instances. And mm-hmm. in Breacher, it really became a focus on kind of balancing out the stats between the different op four units and how are they going to operate and how does that how do they interact when a person has one model under their control um to try and fight against that so there was a lot of a lot more number crunching um so i went back to my favorite die type it's a d20 system because that offers a lot of variability and modifiers um Mm -hmm. that's something like a d6 doesn't offer I i think when you're trying to get crunchy uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a lot a lot of play testing. Um, I have a great group of play testers. So there was a lot of what do they call it? like math hammer involved in there too of you know looking at modifiers for if you're obscured or not and range bands for weapons and yeah it was a lot a lot a lot more balancing uh, between different aspects of the game and that was it was a lot of fun. It was challenging, something new and different, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Now I'm sure the people are envisioning somewhere something in between John Wick and Rainbow Six for this game. And exactly. in some cases they wouldn't be wrong. But if we're talking about the breacher themselves in this game, there are different types of breachers and there is a lot more variation in the game than you would expect from just one shooter running through a mission trying to nuke everyone off the board, right? Yeah, correct. So you can really, as you choose your breacher, um, we call them their specialties. Uh, there's a there's a lot of different ways that you can choose to navigate uh, your operations on the table. So we have everything from covert um, to heavy heavy breachers that use uh, massive belt fed weapons, and they're designed to kind of you know hold an objective and just blaze away. Uh, we have melee characters, marksmen. Um, the assault breacher is kind of the all around breacher, you know, they're, they are decent at everything, but a master of nothing. So you can really kind of get in and, and start your foundation with one of these specialties. But if you choose to play through campaign, um, then you gain cryptocurrency as you achieve your objectives and you can buy what are called specialty maneuvers. And that's when you really get into, kind of the the gunfu equilibrium john wick style things where you can kill enemies in melee and take them as body shields and fire your your secondary weapon from under their arm as just lots of great stuff that you can do so while it is more number crunchy and a little bit more head to head uh i still really wanted to capture this feel of of these these action movies and these experiences of a one verse many uh, that you know, I think I and other people kind of really enjoy. Yeah, I really like one of the things when I've played games where it's one versus many, as you to use your words, games activations are the sort of the crux of a lot of the problems that I've had when I played those games and trying to figure Absolutely. out how to balance. How does one person? actions balance out with a whole lot of other people's when do you play is it you go i go how does this work and i really like the mechanics that you're using in breacher as far as a contact deck to sort of balance that out and also give you a little bit of 
you can't necessarily plan out all your actions because you don't know if it's you, the breacher, or if it's the player playing the, you know, the wall of goons, so to speak. Can you elaborate on how the contact deck works? Yeah, so the the contact deck was was one of the things that has really undergone a lot of iteration and changes. So the contact deck always existed, um, but we've landed at this really great sweet spot um, that when you've decided what operation you're going to play, and there is a process like the, the the operation itself will give the op four player a certain amount of force organization points. The breacher that you've that you've built and and built up over time. Um, they have a combat effectiveness rating and that gets added and that creates the points that the up for player is able to spend on their, on their forces. Mm-hmm. And once that's done, uh, the op for units show up as either individual units. So that represents one model, one model represents an individual unit, or you can have coordinated units, uh, which are squads. So things like street thugs can never be individual. They always show up in, in a group. So when you create the contact deck, you put in a training card for each unit that exists. So let's say I had two militia units and um, two street thug units. So I'd put these four contact cards in, two for each one of those. And then the breacher player is going to put in a breacher activation card for every op four card that's in there. So as reinforcements show up, more uh, breacher cards would go into the deck, and as op four units are whittled down, uh, less breacher cards will be in there. So there's this dance that both the op four and the breacher play to kind of maintain uh, their activation. So as the breacher player, if you're really trying to get across the board, you may not want to thin the op four units because you're relying on getting these extra activations during the turn. So it's this. How does the op four player want to build? Do you want to do lots of coordinated units and limit the amount of actions that both you and the breacher will have? Or do you want to have more uh, individual units, which will then let you be able to sort of navigate the board a little better, take some different actions with the different models, uh, but then increase how frequently the breacher will be able to go. And that initiative plays into this, where at the beginning of the turn, you will roll, you'll roll off. And if the top four player wins initiative they have a choice of well they have a choice they gain a momentum point which we can talk about later but then they may also look at the top of the initiative deck and they the two cards at the top and they can put them back in any order if the breacher player wins they can choose to either gain two momentum points or look at the top two of the initiative deck the contact deck and put them back that's a nice mechanic i like that so you can uh you can manipulate the Mm -hmm. the first couple of activations if you need to for your game plan if you happen to get the initiative and that does absolutely uh, reflect how initiative would play out on a tabletop in battle so that's cool i like it one of the other things that really that i really like with the contact deck so many times when we're playing these games it's you know we're playing on these wonderfully beautiful tables with all this gorgeous terrain but they're always ghost towns There's never anyone actually in these places. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that just feels weird depending on the setting. Breacher has civilians, NPCs who walk around the board and do different things. And they have a card in the contact deck as well, right? Yes, that's correct. So in a, in a, 
So the the civilian rules during during core rule play, if you're just playing the regular rules, they're optional. So if you really just want to get into a mission and, and and not have to worry about them, you don't have to. But they do offer this really interesting chaotic element on the table. And when you choose to use them in the in the core rules, then players the players will alternate putting civilians on the table until there are six on the table, and then a civilian card will go into the contact. And when that is drawn, there's a little side deck for the civilians, which each player will draw two cards off of that. And then starting with the player with initiative for the turn, you will take turns um, playing these events out and they will have the civilians do different things like just be able to move or maybe they're agitated and they'll throw something at somebody nearby. Um, They could run, go prone, um, alert people. Uh, But the, the thing behind civilians is that they block line of sight. If you fire a weapon and the line of fire comes too close to them, you could accidentally hit a civilian instead, uh, giving your opponent additional momentum points. Mm. Um, so you can use them to block doors, windows, avenues of escape. Um, and then with this little side deck, uh, what we're going to do in the future is we're going we're gonna to have different themes. So in this initial offering, it's sort of just regular people who are kind of panicking in this situation. Uh, but we have the outlines to do things like rioting civilians, um, uh, more combative civilians, civilians that have different assets on them. So you could play like within a lab and maybe these civilians have access to different things that maybe you might want to interact with um, and collect Ooh. for additional cryptocurrency if you're the breacher. Um, or additional momentum if you're the op four player. So they play this really neat element uh, within the game. This is a more, as you've said on different uh, streams in the past, this is a more competitive game than the ones mm-hmm. made in the, in the past. But even then, it sounds like you are just pouring narrative into this. Um, there's so much story that can be told. You did talk about uh, civilians alerting people about you know breacher infiltration. And if you've played games like Metal Gear or watched any you know action movie where our hero is sneaking in somewhere and there's goons patrolling the place, that is an integral part of this game. I love, for example, in some of the missions that there are multiple breach points that get put down where the breacher might be coming from that the op four player has to put down their goon squads around the board to try and compensate for those. But at the same time, there may be additional secret breach points. So there's a lot of, you know, pre-game strategy and shenanigans that are, that's going down. It really forces players to think about how they're going to get to the objectives or block people from getting to where they need to go. So Breacher is uh, at its core is about these action movie elements. So your typical Breachers, when they're coming onto the table, maybe the op four doesn't know exactly where they're coming from, but they know that they're coming, whether they're like riding in on a helicopter and getting dropped off or riding in on their motorbike. Um, Usually the op four is aware that something is happening. But one of the specific things, one of the specific specialties that Breachers could use um, is the covert uh, breacher specialty, which allows them to come in concealed. And Op4 can also choose some of their higher trained 
uh, units to to come in concealed. And the way concealment works is you have three concealment tokens that represent that specific unit or model. So the breacher in this case. So one of them represents the breacher. The other two represent uh, places or spots that they may be uh, located at, and that they the way that we sort of talk about it narratively is like these are these are places that the breacher can find good firing positions from. And when the breacher activates or an op for unit that's concealed activates, they can actually take shots from any of their concealment tokens. So every concealment token is a threat until you figure out exactly where the unit they represent um, is located. So the, the covert breacher is able to kind of maneuver around the board um, and uh, the op four player doesn't know exactly where they are. It could be, could be the other way around. Um, and it kind of limits what kind of shooting options they can take. If you choose to just fire full auto from a concealment token, you automatically reveal where, where the unit is because they've given themselves away. But if you're using things like suppressors and you're taking uh, precise shots, which is just a single shot, then you maintain your concealment. It definitely is giving me flashes of don't look back of not quite knowing where the killer is uh, again, mm -hmm. it's that guessing game, right? Yeah. And that's like a big, it's fun when, especially when the breacher is concealed and the op force trying to maneuver and patrol around and kind of figure out where, where the shots are coming from. Now you did mention that um, the campaign system for this game, obviously you can play it as a one-off, uh, but yes. the campaign systems really where you, can grow and uh, make this game come to life because you have you can have a group of breachers um, and choose which ones that you're going to use for particular missions um, and they progress over time and um, gain skills and or <clears throat> may not survive a mission as uh, oh. we've seen on the screen on the stream and gain cryptocurrency as they go as you talked about a second ago and that will unlock different gear uh, and different abilities however as you also talked about on the stream, sometimes that means that the op four player though is sitting there going, well, my breachers aren't gaining anything for this game because I'm playing the other side, but that isn't the case, is it? No, we have this, uh, we have this rule in the game and it's called consulting. So when you play as the op four, uh, you can choose one of your breachers. If you're playing, we call it a stable. So if you have a selection of breachers, you choose one of your own breachers to be consulting from off table. So they're providing the intelligence. And if the op four is successful in achieving specific objectives, um, keeping the breacher from achieving their objectives, then you can earn cryptocurrency. So regardless of what side of the table you're on, uh, in campaign play, you are working towards, um, bettering your, your own we mentioned momentum points several times what what is a momentum point and what does that do on the tabletop so at the beginning of the game the breacher often has the tactical advantage of knowing when they're going to show up so the breacher player always begins an operation with three momentum and the op four begins the game with two momentum and during the game uh, when a unit activates they can spend some of their momentum to do what we call momentum maneuvers. So normally there's uh, movement maneuvers and combat maneuvers. And when the unit activates, um, op four, when they activate normally, they can take a movement maneuver followed by a combat maneuver. Breachers, when they activate, can perform a combat maneuver and a movement maneuver in the order that they'd like. Momentum can be spent on these additional 
kind of uh, support maneuvers um, that don't count towards the actions that they're taking. So if your breacher is being targeted by um, an op for a unit with, a, with an RPG, you can spend a momentum to take the dodge maneuver and move your breacher two inches. So maybe you can get behind a wall or in through a door. Um, when you're making ranged attacks, you can use momentum to choose different types of ammo to shoot. So you can use tracers and armor piercing and hollow point. Um, so they're just these extra things that get spent um, for some really great just bonuses to help you out in specific situations. Like when we were talking about concealment, the uh, breacher player can spend one of their momentum to reveal um, an op for concealment token on the table so they can get some live comms, some, some up-to-date uh, battlefield data. What is your favorite part about this game? Uh, honestly, it's the contact deck. Uh, just the way that it offers so many choices and how it influences the game and it's just it's just so fun you could you could play the same breacher against the same op four you could switch back and forth but how um the deck grows and diminishes over turns just really creates some tense moments where like the, the breacher could have killed off a lot of the um op four units but because now maybe they're only at the one um Breacher maneuver or the breacher contact card that's left, they may maybe can't make it back to the breach point in time before the before the operation's over, before the op clock runs out. So I just I just really like that interaction between both players and how how that really leads into what people are going to choose to do. Matt, should we talk about the elephant in the room when it comes to some of Black Sight's games in the past? Black Sight is or was initially a terrain company they make unbelievable mdf terrain that you can put out on the tabletop i think that playing on their moon base terrain for <laughs> violent dark is one of my favorite gaming experiences in the last couple of years it just brought the game to life it was like i was in the hallways of that spaceship myself it just the, the terrain they do is unbelievable. I saw on a stream the other day, they had a warehouse where the uh, the big door that the trucks drive through actually opens and closes. Yeah. Just mind-blowing, right? But MDF is heavy. And mm -hmm. that sometimes makes some of the boxes and some of the components to ship a little bit expensive, particularly if you live on the other side of the planet, like Australia. <laughs> However, Blacksite has been working on this for years, and they have figured out ways to lower shipping, particularly now that a lot of the uh, COVID backup has been sort of washed through and shipping is relatively back to normal. But you guys are still working on that. And Breacher in particular is has been designed to accommodate international players of the game in the most convenient ways possible. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's fascinating. Yeah, sure. So we wanted to, um, going into Breacher, as, as an entire product, we really wanted to approach this as something that was going to be like a really um, concise offering. We wanted to make sure that it was something that people could get into. Um, to be honest, the, the moderns market is, there's a lot of people in there doing a lot of really great things. So we wanted to make sure that that what we offer and 
um, what people have access to is something that will either add to that or is completely different. So what we decided to do is create this limited miniature offering that we feel like will supplement what people already have in a characterful way and will get people started. Um, and then we have the book. And what we're choosing to do this time around with this back room is we're not going to have any unlocks that are physical purchase products. So anything that's physical, everybody can see it right now. Um, Blacksite is using this purchasing program that I don't remember the name of, to be honest, but it's what it's doing is it's allowing people internationally to pick up what they want and pay their VATs and taxes up front. So they know exactly what that will be. Um, and then everything that will unlock afterwards is either going to be an STL edition or will be a component that is in the book. So some additional lore, new rules for like one of the things we just unlocked was future tech weapons. Um, we're really close to unlocking uh, solo rules so people can play solo if they'd like. Um, it's a PDF. It's available as just a PDF if people would like and a kind of modified condensed version of the um, all the cards and the tokens and things will be available in the back of the book. So we really wanted to make it something that people could get into, know exactly what they're doing up front and just make it something that we can also get to people quickly. Yeah, because the contact deck is an integral part of this game. And yes. as I was looking at it initially, I thought, well, I can, I can get, there's this wonderful online um, digital package that has STLs for breachers, for different op four models, um, has the digital book, has all these digital resources, um, including the contact deck. But then I was looking at the book itself and realized you get a, you get a PDF of that as well. And I was thinking, well, if I want to use my GI Joe models for this or something else, how does this work? Yeah. But if you just get the PDF of the book, it has contact cards in them. As you say, they are smaller. They're not the full size cards um, that you would get the files for if you go for the digital, but you could still play that way. And it means that people who want to play this can possibly go pick this up digitally and not have to ship anything, which I think Correct. is wonderful. Yeah, yeah and, and and one of the things that that I know that Blacksite wants to do and, and with uh, the things that I'm starting to create going forward as well and some of these things that we'll talk about, we should talk about Violet Dark, make sure at the end, because that's going to be going into um, like a new edition here soon. But one of the things that we want to do is just to make sure that people can access the game and try it out without having to just get everything up front. And by having all these things in the book, it just means people can grab the book. Um, ben is really big on making sure that these books themselves are like something that you would want. Like they are like an art book. There's something that you can flip through and enjoy. Um, so yeah, you'll just be able to get the book and you can try it out and then you can choose to maybe pick up some of the other things if you want. If now, explain to folks who aren't familiar, how does the backroom backing uh, resemble Kickstarter, but isn't using the Kickstarter program? Yeah, so everything that goes up through either um, kind of like a limited pre-order or these backroom events, uh, they're, they're guaranteed to fund. So whatever you order, that will get made and will go out into the world. Um, they're really just kind of a fun way to kind of show off the game, 
um, what I love and we were able to do and don't with the don't look back back room. And we're going to be doing with this one is as we start to kind of move through these unlocks and people get involved and they hop in the discord, we're able to kind of take live feedback from people um, and add things in. So this time around, somebody came in the discord and said, you know, it would be really cool for breacher. If it's not in there, I would love for there to be rules for uh, things like guard dogs and sentry dogs and things. So, okay. That's going to be one of our upcoming things is I can add that in. When we were at Adepticon last year for Don't Look Back, this guy came up and he was like, hey, you know, I love using these optional rules for the items where you kind of curate cards and you put them like underneath the truck. And that's kind of the things you could find if you search the truck. He's like, it'd be really cool if you just made some kind of search tokens or item tokens that can get placed on the table and then have the cards off to the side. So Ben and I were like, yeah, that's great. So we added that into the campaign and those exist now. So yeah, it's a fun way to interact with people, um, allow people who are backing and participating to really have an opportunity to be a part of the creation of these projects as well. But it's there, it'll exist. And if you're looking for Breacher, um, just go to the Black Site Studio website, um, just Google search Black Site Studio, go there, check it out. And all of the backroom funding program for this is just there. It's just, it's as if you're just buying it from their website, but it's a pre-order. And uh, of course that will add to what will be unlocked um, as people buy additional things. Yeah, it's very cool. It's really cool. It's fun. It's a really neat thing to, to kind of be on the creator side of, and then, you know, watch people get excited and, you know, want to be a part of something coming alive. Now, I know I have only scratched the surface of Breacher and its mechanics, but outside of, um, you know, various staff members wanting 16 canoes, is there anything that you want, which you would know if you watch the streams, uh, check them out, they're very entertaining. What have I missed? What would you say people should know about Breacher because it looks super cool. And I'm, I'm just not sure which bit to talk about because it looks great. Well, I think um, another, another really fun, fun interactions comes from, this is going to, I mean, every game has their actions and the things that people can do in them, but the, the combat and the movement maneuvers, I, I feel like are really dynamic and by how the the op four have to do movement maneuvers first before combat really kind of changes how they play. And the breacher being a little bit more free form allows them to kind of shoot and scoot and, and kind of link things together differently. But what I what I did is that in in the maneuvers, some of them cross over between both. So there are some things that that fall under both a movement maneuver and a combat maneuver, um, so that you get some advantages to how you want to approach a situation like for example under movement maneuvers there's just walking there's running jumping um, and we have this thing called tactical uh, tactical maneuver where you move tactically and that gives you some bonuses within cover and in attacking from your first range band and all that but tactical movement also falls into combat maneuvers so you could have one of your op four guys uh, trained guy walk up to the edge of a corner and then move around the corner tactically using both his movement and his combat maneuver. So they flow and they mesh in a way that really kind of allows you to interact with the environment and the situation a little bit more cleanly than a lot of just like you move and then you shoot. 
sometimes, as you say, just that move and shoot action that uh, that appears in a lot of games doesn't always capture those wonderful cinematic moments that appear in our favorite films or books or comic books. And that's, again, this game is a lot more head to head. It's a lot more granular. Um, but I still really wanted to keep that element of the story and the narrative and what's happening on the table. That's something that's really important to me is it's, it shouldn't be about always winning, but like what happened in the game, you know, the journey, not the destination. <laughs> the backer for this is currently live. If you are listening to this right now, you can go to the black site studios website and you can back this. You can pre-order the game. You can check out all the different options as far as, um, you know, do you want physical models? Do you want, which physical models do you want? Do you want the books? Do you want the cards? Do you want it to be all digital? Do you want it to be partially digital? Do you want both? They're all there. And as of course, more things unlock, there'll be more options, as you said, that will be added to the book or to additional rules that will come with the book. But you did mention Violent Dark getting a second edition, and you knew that I was going to ask about it. So uh, <laughs> please do tell, because um, in space, no one can hear you scream. Uh, but I assure you, in my office, when the monsters were jumping out of corners, I definitely did. <laughs> yeah, see, that's great. Yeah, so Violent Dark grew up as kind of like, well, I guess DLB is sort of the cousin of Violent Dark. But when they are initially kind of conceived, they were they're very similar. And Violent Dark had, you know, the really that capturing that claustrophobic feel of space horror and not really being able to get away from whatever it is that's chasing you. And we really leaned heavily into, you know, this idea of being on these giant cold spaceships. Um and to be honest, it didn't land well with people. We created that really cool Cormorant terrain set, and people really felt like in order to play the game, you had to have that. And that's like a big buy-in. You know, if that's not something that you're, you know, you're truly going to be interested in, that's like it's a big investment to try sure. something new. And I think that that just really kind of held people back. And there are rules in the rule book for playing in different settings. But they were very secondary to this idea of having to be on a ship. And, yeah. you know, I got a lot of feedback over that. There are a lot of tables in Violent Dark, um, you know, trying to do this initial writing in my life of how do you create, you know, something that's AI, but really allows for a lot of variability. And when you start to really get into that, it's a lot of tables. So you know, three or four years on now of feedback and playing the game and seeing it, um, Ben and Connor have offered me the opportunity to just like, don't look back, uh, revisit it. Our playtesting base is much bigger now. We didn't even really have playtesters back in the day, you know, mm -hmm. for Violet Dark. So this time around, the game is really focused on both we call it planetary play and facility play. And it really breaks down how to approach these different environments. It gets away from long actions and quick actions, uh, kind of like don't look back and goes into action points and you can spend them how you want. The, the thing that I really love about Violent Dark is that the crew is a resource. 
you know, it's really almost about watching whatever the threat is sort of evolve over time and continue to munch on crew. There is now rules that you will be able to create your own crew, but don't get too attached to them because they will still get eaten frequently. But when you do survive, it's like a really big deal. Um, so they will have some opportunity to do some some leveling up and some developing, uh, but still get munched on. They're still definitely a resource. But you know, we just really wanted to kind of lean into that uh, campaign play. There's a lot more involved with that. Um, I've reduced the number of tables for for things like threats to activate or even for the potential threat tokens and things to move around. It's just about kind of going back in, cleaning up, really focusing on what it what I wanted it to be and what it should be. Uh, so I'm super excited, but we're going to open that up for playtesting uh, here and kind of the beginning of this year. So we're hoping to, yeah, get that kind of live for playtesters. Well, I'm looking forward to that, man, because that sounds amazing. And as much as I've enjoyed playing in the space station and will continue to play uh, in though, because my friend has the space station and it is amazing. The idea of playing on an alien planet or something sneaking around in the woods on our planet, it just sounds awesome. I'm all about that. I'm starting to get different movies in my head and different scenarios uh, just from while you were talking. And it's such a fun narrative game that I'm definitely going to be all about that. Uh, as soon and as I, it is and I'd also like to throw in, I think it's really important. Like one of the things that we did with don't look back when we, we did the kind of the revised second edition for that. Um, a lot of people will be like, well, what if I already have all the stuff? Yeah. Well, what, what we'll, what we will be doing is offering updated cards and things separately from the models uh, for, for a time just to make sure that people who already have the minis and things will have access to just be able to scoop up like, oh, here's revised cards. I don't need to buy models again on top of that. No, that's huge. And that really does, um, you know, help people who feel like, hey, I just bought this game and, you know, it took me forever to, <laughs> to build and paint these things. Do I need more of them? Um, which is often the big feel bad when there's a new edition of anything coming out. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. It is always a pleasure to talk shop and to talk about the wonderful games you've made. For those who are interested, the backroom backer for, and I know I'm getting the name slightly wrong there, for Breacher on the Black Sight Studios website, that will be going up um, and will stay up through February. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep, it's live now and should go through the end of February. Matt, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, man. It's always just wonderful to talk about these wonderfully narrative games, and I can't wait to get Breacher on the tabletop. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting it into your hands. Oof. Cannot wait. Oof. Going to have some... <sighs> yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. So, folks, please do go to the Black Sight Studios website. Check out the pre-orders. Get up in that because I am literally walking upstairs now to do the same thing. And if you have uh, any questions, uh, please send them my way or go straight to the Black Sight Studio website. I know that you can contact Matt and the whole team there through that website. Um, if you would like to send any questions to me, uh, my name is Brad. Of course, you can find me on the Cast Dice Facebook page, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. Um, we're always happy to hear your feedback. Just remember, I live on the other side of the planet, and I do occasionally sleep. So if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it might take me a few hours, but I will get back to you. As our buddy Casey, who's also in Texas, always says, 
when you are playing the games that we know and love. I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. I'm gone.